Hey folks, welcome back to the Friday show with Dustin here on the Culture Jack podcast. That was a hell of a week. I'm glad we all got through it. But today on the Friday show, we are going to dive back into the conversation we started last week about monoculture and the stormy sea of sameness. Before we get into that, uh, did everyone get a chance to listen to the Monday Madness episode with Anthony? If you did not, I would highly recommend you go check out that episode. It was a great episode. He talked about the separation that's caused due to social media. He also talked about how you can better leave an imprint or a mark or your brand on the internet as opposed to maybe broadcasting something that you're not super proud of or doesn't represent you in a real positive light. We're also going to talk about on this show today, though, we're going to talk about uh, Dave Chappelle's problem with Netflix. We're going to talk about a replacement for Johnny Depp in the new Fantastic Beast movie. And also Phil Spencer, uh, a recurring character, it would appear on the Friday show. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some shit that he's been talking out here on the Internet. But before we get into all of that, it's too many before we get into's. <laughs> this this show has like eight or nine prequels, so it's got a lot going a lot going on for it. Uh, there's a new trailer for Clifford, the Big Red Dog. I don't know if you remember these children's books, but basically, it was where this dog was a giant of a dog, larger than life, larger than houses and vehicles and trucks, would learn lessons akin to any other children's book, but he's a gigantic red Labrador. I think he was a Labrador. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, partnered with a little girl, if I if memory serves correctly. But the teaser trailer for this has, it, it's got some people up in, up in a stir, up in a tizzy, because they don't appreciate the size of Clifford. Apparently, Clifford is not the, the giant of a dog that he was intended to be. Now in this trailer, in all fairness, it pans from, from left to right, uh, just regular dog breeds. And as it gets further to the right, closer to Clifford, uh, the last few dog breeds are looking up to their trainer, obviously, but the effects make it. So they are looking at this giant, giant ass dog. And then we see Clifford and he's not as big as people want him to be. But if you naysayers and doubters out there in the world look closer, you will realize that Clifford in this trailer is a puppy. So hopefully as they as they build this uh, initial film into a series or they they build the Clifford universe that are they're going to have all kinds of different, you know, maybe a curious George will make an appearance in the Clifford universe. I don't know exactly. I don't know entirely, but um, I didn't have a problem with it because I haven't seen enough of it yet. I'm very excited. I've already spent way too much time on Clifford uh, going to move on. Dave Chappelle and Netflix, like I said, they've got beef right now. Well, they don't have beef really because Dave Chappelle found out that his old episodes of the Chappelle show were appearing on Netflix. And that's something that he was not a fan of because he did not know that the rights to his show had been sold, the streaming rights, to Netflix. 
So he called up Netflix and he said, hey, man, I'm really hurt by this. I don't care for it. And Netflix removed the shows. Um, It's messed up because as I was reading about this, I read an article on Screen Rant. They talked about how Dave Chappelle does not own own the rights to the Chappelle show or the rights to his own likeness, which is really bizarre to me. It's really strange, but, but that's the way it goes, I guess. Um, but yeah, he said, uh, that's why, that's why I fuck with Netflix because they took the shows off when he asked them to, which is super cool because any other large corporation could be like, Hey, you know what? Screw you. We know you're very popular. We know that the Chappelle show was very popular. We're going to continue making money off of it, whether you like it or not. That's, that's just how the cards fall. Uh, in other movie news, Mark Ruffalo is, uh, just joined the, the cast of the Adam project. It's a Ryan Reynolds joint. It's a time traveling thing where Mark Ruffalo actually plays Ryan Reynolds, father in the past who's like a physicist or something i'm not sure entirely i haven't seen a trailer but i do think that they they did release some behind the scenes shots because i believe it's in production right now so there's no trailer out yet don't quote me on that speaking of trailers and movies that are coming out where the hell is black widow you thought i missed it didn't you but i didn't Uh, Next on the list, I have uh, a new trailer for Boss Baby 2 came out. So I have kids. And because I have kids, I watch a lot of children's movies. No, it's not because I have kids, but because I have kids, I have an excuse to watch the movies that I want to watch, which are children's movies. (laughs) No, I I love animation. I love... uh, the fact that we can bring creations from our head, not, well, not my head, but, you know, people that are far more uh, creative and productive than I am out onto the screen, things that have no basis in reality. In this preview, there were ninja babies running on the ceiling and then spoiler alerts for the first one, if you didn't see boss baby one, but, uh, who is it? Alec Baldwin, I believe is the boss baby and He's brought into a family where his older brother sees that he can talk and is actually a businessman. Um, my name's Frank Businessman. <laughs> my name's Don Human Person. And uh, hijinks ensue. And the uh, the little brother and the, the big brother, they eventually become friends. And there's like a whole corporation of babies that they work on. They work on making sure that babies remain with the most cute capital and the competition in the first one is is with dogs and then an evil genius that wants to destroy the babies who was part of baby corp. Anyway, the second one looks to be just as ridiculous as the first one. The two brothers have grown up and there's like a de-aging thing makes them smaller, makes them babies again, or makes Alec Baldwin a baby. And then his older brother, just like his older brother was in the first one. So anyway, you didn't know what you're getting into in the show. We talk about Clifford. We talk about Boss Baby. Scott Derrickson, uh, the director of the first Doctor Strange movie, he. <laughs> now, this is why you can't believe everything that you read on the internet. He tweeted out in response to someone asking him what his favorite MCU character was, or it was a, a retweet 
of someone just generically asking and him answering. And he put a picture of um, Spider Pig, John Mulaney's character from Into the Spider-Verse. Now, that got some people riled up. And then after that, he said that he wanted to definitively claim that it is canon that all all, all Spider-Man movies are part of the MCU. Which he then had to come back and clarify because that got all kinds of internet articles and, and writers in a in a tizzy. And he was like he was like, what did he say? Hold on, let me find the let me find the exact quote here. Uh okay, so the nerdist asked, describe your personality in a single gift from the MCU. He put a gif of Spider Pig, and then someone else asked him, uh, Moon Mad, Moon Made Mad? Man made moon uh, asked him uh, if they were part of the MCU. And he said that all Spider-Man iterations are de facto MCU. And then he clarified later in a quote of another tweet by comic book resources. He said, I was joking in an exchange with man made moon at man made moon. Uh, Everyone needs to calm down. And then he (laughs) He also, in a quote uh, of the of the at Git fandom, um, that someone was quoting that said he he said all these are part of the MCU. He said I meant I meant Batman. So he's obviously being sarcastic, and it's why uh, it's why you can't take everything on the internet at face value. I mean, sarcasm for anyone that's ever had a misread text or a miscommunication in an email, you know that text does not translate well to sarcasm or most humor types. I think a visual and audio component are necessary to properly convey sarcasm, but maybe that's just me, a person who's had 35 years of sarcasm experience. Um, Ah, big, fantastic uh, beasts three news. Uh, If you hadn't heard Johnny Depp is out. What do you mean? If you haven't heard, you listen to culture jacked. We talked about it already. Yeah. Johnny Depp is out because of his litigations with Amber Heard and their, uh, what, you know, everyone can see as a mutual physical and mental and verbal and uh, emotional abuse that they're giving each other. He's out. So he is being replaced officially. Now, uh, Warner brothers put out the statement that, uh, mad Mickelson, who, if you remember, he played, Oh man, it's a really difficult to say name. Calicious? Calocious? He played the villain in Doctor Strange, the the first Doctor Strange movie directed by Scott Derrickson. He is going to be the new Grindelwald in uh, the Fantastic Beasts number three. There were some rumors that um, the character, the Green Arrow was going to make his his big screen debut in the Peacemaker show on HBO Max that James Gunn is directing and that John Cena is starring in as Peacemaker. Um, but James Gunn, he put those rumors to rest and he said, look, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, Phil Spencer in gaming news, uh, the Xbox, what is he? Is he Xbox CEO? Chief marketing strategist, E3 stage presence. I'm not really sure what he is. I know he's a bigwig. I think he's the boss. I think he's the the Xbox boss. No, he definitely is. I don't know where my head is tonight. But he spoke out 
against the console wars. Um, although he could just be claiming to be a pacifist in the war because the PlayStation 5 reportedly sold uh, between 2.1 and 2.5 million units compared to Microsoft's uh, 1.4 million on release day. And in the interview that he was quoted in saying, well, I'm against console wars, uh, the, the interviewer had brought up the point where he'd seen people whether they're just like these YouTubers or, or vloggers or internet influencers, I hate that term, but uh, out there taking the console that they are opposed to, that they're not a fan of, the opposing team, and smashing them with hammers and running over them with cars and all this stuff. And he said, that's the part I hate the most because there's some people, you know, granted they're, they're part of a corporation. Well, he didn't say that. I said that that are that have worked really hard on this thing and they were very passionate about this thing and now you're just going to take it and you're just going to wreck it for a couple quick views or for a real disdain for something not to mention and this isn't him saying it this is me saying it not to mention there are thousands of children that would love to have one of these things if you were just going to wreck it and not use it anyway why wouldn't you just Give it to some kid for Christmas. I mean, that's a beautiful thought, don't you think? Um, he also talked about uh, the fact that some Xbox games, not some Xbox games, screw that. He was talking about that Xbox games, if you're part of that ecosystem, if you have an Xbox library, if you, if you are part of Game Pass, would be available and playable on smart TVs before the end of of 2021. And so it's, it's all part of Xbox's strategy to get you into their ecosystem. And I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, I don't need an Xbox because I can just get those games on PC pretty soon. Maybe they'll say, I don't need an Xbox because I can just get those games on my TV. You can play Xbox games on a, on a smartphone, on an Android phone. Phil Spencer has also talked about having a web-based solution for the uh, Apple phones, for the iOS, where they don't currently support a system like Game Pass. But he said, oh, we'll be on Apple phones. Believe me, we're just we're going to we're going to go off of a, a web browser based solution. So the idea that Xbox has is to get the most people involved in their ecosystem as they can, and then they can leverage the weight of their audience to the cost of their services and their games and their, and their products. I think it's, it's brilliant. And I know Phil, you were waiting for me to sign off. You were waiting for the stamp of approval from culture jacked for what you're doing. And I think it's a, I think it's a bold, but I think it's a smart business move and strategy. I definitely think that you should carry on uh, with that plan. Anyway, uh, Microsoft, uh, speaking of Microsoft, they had to release a patch to Xbox Live because there was an exploit that maybe a, you know someone who had less than good intentions, a ne'er-do-well, if you will, um, could access players' email addresses through their Xbox gamer tag. And it, it feels a lot like a situation similar uh, to the Sony PlayStation Network that that hacking that happened uh i don't know a few years ago 
That hacking was supposed to be done by Anonymous. No, Anonymous, they got out and they said that, no, this isn't, this wasn't one of our guys. Or if it was one of our guys, which it might have (laughs) been, it wasn't under a directive from the hacking group Anonymous. So whatever you think about Anonymous, those are the facts as I have them anyway. Um, And... And that hack led to the personal details of 77 million PlayStation users being accessed. But that is not to be confused with the other Sony hack that happened to Sony Pictures back in 2014. Um, And I I love this hacking group's name. It was the the Guardians of Peace. Uh, And those guys, well, they didn't steal like uh, personal user data and information. They did steal confidential documents. And that's... I think where we saw some of the stuff leaked in regards to to Spider-Man and the MCU and the crossovers and the the collaboration and cooperation between those two groups, I think came out of that leak. Uh, Red Dead Online is getting set to become a standalone game. Uh, So if you played that as part of Red Dead Redemption 2, well, uh, I believe they're charging $5 for the new standalone version, and I'm not sure... If they, they might, the, I don't know if they, I I don't know if they're going to grandfather people in that have already, that have already got the game, that have already been playing the game, that are already involved in all the little minutia in the game. Uh, Sony may soon have an answer to Game Pass. One of their CEOs, when this gentleman's name was... Do, 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 do. I don't know his name. What the heck was this guy's name? He's a CEO. Jim Ryan, the CEO of PlayStation Core. <laughs> um, he was he was pressed on if um, Sony would have an answer to uh, the Xbox Game Pass. And he stated, there is actually news to come so he's kind of teasing it hanging it out on the edge a little bit it's incredibly vague but it is um maybe a soft confirmation um that a new service that a new service is on its way a tweet by one of the developers uh that's working on cyberpunk 2077 highly anticipated game hugely anticipated game uh, said that they've put 150 hours into the game and they're not done yet. So, <laughs> so I, I think that's really good news. And then when they were pressed online about it, uh, whether, you know, they were, were taking their sweet time and they said, no, I'm just going, just taking a normal pace through, maybe playing some of the missions a little more stealthily than other people might like to play, and also just experiencing everything that the game has to offer. And that is, that's, it's something I struggle with because sometimes I just want to blast through a game or sometimes I want to, I want to take my time and I want to just enjoy the game that I'm playing. But when I do that, sometimes I leg, I leg the game so much that I'm not enjoying it. And then I get tired of it, bored of it, and I, I leave it behind. So there, there can be something said to just taking your time and enjoying it. But regardless, if it's 150 hours, this guy's stealthy and he's talking to every NPC, just 
I don't know, even if you, you took 50 hours off of that, a hundred hour game is a really good bang for your buck. And I heard someone, it might've been Boogie, Boogie2988 said it. If you have a really good uh, value proposition for the games that you play, if you can, you can say that for every dollar you spend on a game, you played at least one hour. So if it's a $70 game and you played for 100 hours, you have gotten your money's worth out of that game by by that rationale. And I think it's a good rationale. Uh, speaking of Cyberpunk 2077, there is a new automated facial uh, formation system in this game. And it's an animation tool that allows the it saves the programmers time in developing facial expressions, features, uh, and tones for the different moods that they might experience without having to actually go in there and develop each scene for them. And they say that they, they've applied this technology to all the characters in the game, not just the main characters. And with a, with a turn of the switch, they can change it to any language. And it will it will animate the face in accordance with that language. So so maybe you won't have that weird dubbing effect like an old kung fu flick, which is super cool. And what I love about this is this is a technology that the, the developers of Jolly Jolly it's J A L I. If you're interested in learning more about this thing, they have said that this technology is it's going to be available. They're going to sell it to other game studios as well. And so any technology like this or like the high res texture packs or any of the engines that they play in like unreal engine Four, you know, a bunch of games are designed. Oh, maybe it's three. I don't know what iteration, what generation we're on, but a lot of games use this stuff. And so any tool like this that can, that can streamline games that can make games, uh, game design less redundant and and help out the developers, man, I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea, and I think it's only going to improve games, game release times, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing overall, I think. What do you say? Will you say it's a good thing when that's just your brain running out of words? That's what you do? You Martha Stewart over here. Now. Yeah, you are. You good, good for you. High five. <laughs> Woo. That was loud. Maybe I'll have to turn that down in the edit. All right. And the last news story that I have is one that brings me great delight and great joy. There was a game uh, not two, three months ago released called Marvel's Avengers. And Marvel's Avengers is one of these uh, games as a service, one that's supposed to continue going on that doesn't have just a, a quick end date that doesn't have... Um, you know, move from point A to B to C. It's like move from point to A to B and then back to B to A and then rinse and repeat so you can collect all of our skins, collectibles, and buy all of our products as we continually release bad guys and story arcs and levels into this thing for you to keep paying us money as it goes. And it was a full price game. If it was a free to play, I wouldn't have such beef with it. Also, another practice that this game made is they had exclusives in video games are not a new thing or I think necessarily even a bad thing, but like you might have a game for the Xbox and it's not available on the PlayStation or vice versa. You might have one on the PlayStation and it's not available for Xbox 
And so you have to decide which camp you're going to live in so you can play the games that you want to. Or in my case, most of my friends are on Xbox, and so I pick an Xbox so I can play with my friends. So that's not unheard of. The thing that they did that was really scummy and is a terrible precedent to set, and one of the reasons why I am so glad that this game failed is they had the same game on both consoles, but for the PlayStation, you could also have Spider-Man in the game. So I don't like the idea of these game studios parsing out pieces of the game to include in this version or that version. I think it's scummy, it's cheap, and it's terrible. You obviously have the code for this character. Put them in both of the games. Anyway, they have not made back their development costs. Uh, They have a loss, it looks like, of about $67 million. So I, I take... Uh, no displeasure in seeing in seeing them fail. Uh, recently, game analyst David Gibson explained the company had only sold 60% of the units it had planned to sell um, for a game that likely cost $100 million to produce. So, mm, so good. I'm so happy to see it, and you should be too. All right. <clears throat> We're going to get back into monoculture here in just a moment. But before we do, I found this list on comicbookmovie.com and it was talking about the the stellar year of comic book movies that we are about to have next year in 2021 because 2020 was broken in regards to comic book movies. They were canceled, they were delayed. Well, the new Mutants came out, but it's terrible. I haven't seen it, but I just know that it's terrible because it was developed by Fox Marvel and not Disney Marvel, the MCU. Um, you know, I, I know there's other big releases that are going to be uh, released in 2021 um, because, <laughs> let's face it, we are all super horny for movies right now, especially after 2020 and especially the theater experience. At least I know I am. And maybe that's the wrong way to say it. Maybe you don't want to say you're super horny for movies, but I am. I'll take it. Nipples are hard. I'm ready to go. But for now, uh, rather than comment on all the movies that are coming out, I am just going uh, to, to comment on my levels of excitement on this list from, uh, you know, least to greatest. And so the list that they have, and they didn't include it in this order, and there may be other ones that I'm missing, but these are all comic book movies, most of them. <laughs> uh, the one I'm, I'm least excited about is Justice League. And I'm least excited about it because it's not a new movie. I am excited about experiencing Justice League because like I've said before, I've only watched the original not the Zack Snyder cut. And I've only watched it on an airplane and I've only watched it, uh, you know, part of the way as I slept through most of that plane ride. So I'm excited to see it, but it is the one I am least excited to see. The next one up on the list, second from the bottom is uh, snake eyes, uh, the GI Joe origin story. So I don't know how successful the original GI Joe movie was, Maybe it could be good, but again, G.I. Joe's were fine as cartoons, but I haven't particularly enjoyed the movies. All right, in all fairness, I haven't really seen the movies. 
Next one I'm excited to see is the Spider-Man 3 sequel. Uh, the the Tom Holland adventure. Uh, he's, he's back in action. And this is the one that they are potentially going to have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield reprise their roles. They're potentially, uh, I just heard here recently, the same guy that played the Dr. Octopus character in Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man? Maybe. Whichever one he was in, he may be coming back. And so... I'm excited in it. It's going to be a maybe Spider-Verse in the MCU, but it it makes the the third least excited movie because we've had a bunch of Spider-Man movies before and the other ones on this list we haven't we haven't seen before and so I'm excited for them based I guess more so around their novelty than I am around you know, the recurrence of another another Spider-Man film. But I am excited about it. And don't get me wrong, no matter what place in the list these movies fall, they are all movies that I am excited about. The next one is Morbius. He's a uh, it's it's in the the Sony MC Marvel kinda MCU. Maybe he'll show up in the Spider-Man three. I don't know. I'd sure love to see Craven the Hunter. That would be amazing. Morbius is he's he's coming. I'm excited about that. Uh, the Eternals. Oh, I'm I'm very excited about the Eternals. Uh, apparently, Thanos is an Eternal. Who knew? But maybe we'll get more information on that in this movie. Honestly, it's December now. The Eternals was originally slated for November. We should have already seen this. This should have uh, been in into our eye holes and into our brain mass. Last month, I'm so upset. I've just upset myself. Oh, shucks. (laughs) Next one I'm excited to see is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's coming out. Excited to see it. Wonder Woman 1984, which on this list, they did say, okay, well, you know, technically it is being released uh, at the end of December, but it's going to be a 2021 movie. It's got six days in 2020, and then it can bid that piece of shit farewell, and then on to 2021 we go. Uh, Next, the sequel uh, to Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, with Woody Harrelson? Yeah, he's Carnage. That's going to be so good. The first one was so good, and, and still to this day, Anthony and I talked about it. We talked about how the critics hated that movie. But fans love that movie. They thought it was so fun. And it was. And it captured the essence of that character. And I think that's what that's what a lot of, not a lot of people miss, but like a lot of executives miss. And they miss the fact that your character doesn't have to be a one-to-one to the comic book. It doesn't have to be one-to-one to the cartoon. But if your character can, can capture the essence of what that character's legacy is, well, then you're halfway there. You just got to get people in the theater after that. So I'm very excited about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, the second place, the runner-up for the comic book movie I am most excited about is uh, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. A recurring character on the show, James Gunn. If you'll remember, he's making a new Suicide Squad, which is kind of a reboot, but also kind of a sequel 
to the, what was it, 2016 Suicide Squad? Which, again, I didn't think was a bad movie. They just did world-ending stuff. It's not the Suicide Squad. So this is going to be great. Hopefully many members of the Suicide Squad uh, perish. Hopefully not any of the ones that I enjoy and want to see in the inevitable sequel because I know this one's going to be great. I'm very, very excited about it. But the number one movie that I am most excited about on this list that I didn't show you beforehand so you could have no idea in knowing the number one comic book movie that I'm excited about seeing is Black Widow. Come on, Disney. Put it on Disney Plus, please. I just realized that sounded like an odd sexual request, and I'm sorry for doing it, Disney, but gosh dang, you gotta you gotta put that thing on Disney Plus. And again, I'm really creeping myself out with these kind of perverted uh, requests of Disney, I guess. <clears throat> okay, everybody. Are you are you sitting down? Because we have made it to the part of the Friday show where I get to wax poetically to you or I get to wax, you know, however I do. And I get to I get to give you some of this this wonderful writing piece that I did here. So hopefully you enjoy. It's about monoculture. Remember, we said we're going to dive back into it. So as promised, I want to continue this idea of a vanishing monoculture. And on the second part of this audio essay, is it an audio essay? You know, I don't know. What qualifies as an essay? I guess it's a it's a short written piece on a subject. So yes, um, technically it meets all the qualifications of an essay. I guess it's spoken though. Does it, is an essay spoken? Maybe, we'll see, you be the judge. On the second part of this audio essay, I wanna focus on how I have personally contributed to the dissolution of a shared media experience in popular nerd culture and video games and where I might have personally contributed to an ongoing media monoculture. Now, I've talked about on the show, on the last couple episodes, the shows and movies that I have been watching. Now, I got a list here. Uh, Utopia, The Boys, Lovecraft Country. Doom Patrol, The Mandalorian, and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Not to mention, with my kids now, we've been steadily trudging through uh, some anime, uh, My Hero Academia, though uh, that's coming on the tail end of uh, Naruto series. And then I, I've sprinkled in some episodes of Dragon Ball in there as well. And I do admit that it would be possible. I find it very, very difficult to believe that someone else would be watching this exact lineup to have an in-depth conversation about it with me. And even if they were watching each one of these very specific shows, would we be on the same episode? Would we have interests in the same parts of the show? Or would we re even remember enough of the show to have a titillating conversation or dialogue about it? And I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit about absorption a little bit later on. Though things seem to be shifting to a place where we we all have our own thing and our distinct taste makes it hard to share with others, I will admit that there are certain areas where just the reverse may be occurring. And one of those situations where return to a monoculture mono could occur would be in... Uh, the newly popularized 
episodic release of shows like The Boys and Mandalorian, right? They come out every week as opposed to a bingeable just dump of a, a show on Netflix you can watch all in a day and a half if you'd like. Of course, like I mentioned in part one, there are also big events that help support the idea of this hive mind in media culture. Remember when we were all trapped inside because of the end of the coronavirus? And then at the end of March, there was a striking moment of shared consciousness. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the Tiger King. Boy, that show sure had a finger on the pulse, didn't it? Everybody was talking about it. Memes everywhere about it. But besides a Baby Yoda or a Carol Baskins, these fleeting moments in, in truly popular media are few and far in between. Or maybe they're not. What? How, how strangely contradictory of you, Dustin, you might say. Now let me explain. Perhaps we have so many viral moments, so many catchy storylines, so many vibrant characters, and so many meme-worthy creations that capture the sentiment of the masses. And when this happens, when the moments come so often, they cause an oversaturation that their importance is thus diminished, but the moments happen all the same. They may seem fleeting, but they are still happening. Or so I think, and I know I'm rambling at this point, and maybe it only makes sense in my own head, uh, but if you have so many things that are so appealing, perhaps we're living in some supercharged type of monoculture where we're all having these mini events over and over and over again. So it's so fast that maybe we hardly notice them, much less stop to appreciate, discuss, and really savor them. I will never make that sound again. <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, nothing can truly have the kind of significance that it did before because nothing is given the air to breathe or the opportunity to stand out in a truly golden age of media entertainment. I'd like, to, I'd like to take just a moment to reconcile my own role that I played in contributing to a media monoculture. I, I have too many shows going on right now. There. I said it. <laughs> my name is Dustin and I have a problem. <laughs> and my problem is I juggle too many shows and I, and I juggle too many games. In the last few podcasts, and even earlier on this episode, and just in fact a, a couple sentences ago, I've talked about the shows I've been into, uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor, My Hero Academia, Naruto, Dragon Ball, Mandalorian. The list doesn't even include all of the shows that I want to watch. I haven't finished, or I don't intend to finish. Like Raising Dion, Lock and Key, all of the CW superhero shows, DC's Titans, The Rain, The 100, Cloak and Dagger, the last season of Daredevil on Netflix, I missed it. Season two of The Punisher on Netflix, I missed it as well. American Gods, His Dark Materials, The Watchmen, and so on. And, and this isn't even a complete list. I, that's only the shows in the last couple years or so. I, I still haven't seen Dexter. I haven't seen Lost. And I only just started watching The League and my brother got me started on Blue Mountain State just a little bit ago. 
But there is, there is definitely a through line that connects the disappearance of an apparent monoculture with the explosion of media options for those inclined to feast upon them. Talking about video games, there certainly have been games that have captured the attention of Anthony and myself over the last couple of years. Even ones on this podcast for longtime listeners of Culture Jacked. Do you remember the hype and excitement around Red Dead Redemption 2? We talked about it for a couple of episodes and then it was gone. It was gone in the tsunami of other good games. And I haven't talked to Anthony about this particular point, but I am going to say with confidence and with emphasis, Anthony did not finish Red Dead Redemption 2. It's okay because neither did I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I am I am dead on correct. And it's, it's not a problem because even if we had both kept up with it, the games like that, like Red Dead Redemption 2, are so massive that our experiences with the games, the side quests, the name of our horse, our favorite weapon, the way that a certain gun fight played out, they would have been so dramatically different anyway. It's not like reading a book. It's not one-to-one. Even if we did continue, the conversation would definitely have been one about discovery and surprise and less of one about reminiscing over shared events. And one time in Red Dead Redemption 2, I accidentally shot the guy at the end because I forgot what the button was to pay pay for my bath. <laughs> it wasn't worth murder. I'll tell you that much right now. Fallout 76 was another game that we were super excited about. The hype around that game was out of this world. And if you remember, maybe hype and excitement for the uh, entertainment is where we can find a shared adventure. Maybe that's the only part of monoculture left is the anticipation toward a thing. Um, Fun side note, and we probably talked about this on another episode, but both of us decided to wait on buying that game. And good thing too, because it turned out to be a real lemon. Uh, But it's also now available on Game Pass. (laughs) With all the DLC. Um, That's supposed to have fixed a lot of the issues with it. So it might be a good thing for me to check out now. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Some games. Kingdom Hearts 3. All of the Assassin's Creed games. Arkham Knight. Inside. Halo 5. The Outer Worlds. The Outer Wilds. I have a lot of games, just like I do movies and shows, that I never finished or never even started. But I want to. Xbox Gold gives me four New games every month for being part of your service. I get sixty dollars a year to play on the internet to play Xbox Live. You also get four games a month. I've got Game Pass on top of that, over a hundred games. Between these two services, I should never need to buy another game again. They should be enough to keep me entertained, well beyond my capacity to finish all of these games. Even though I don't have to buy another game again, you know I will. <laughs> and I do too, because I know I know myself. And all the shows, all the games, all the movies, to me, this is not a problem. Not a problem at all. I don't necessarily mourn the slow death of traditional media and a crafty, demanding monoculture. On the contrary, I enjoy a wide selection. I enjoy the variety. I appreciate that the megaliths are not easily created within any of these industries. Uh, 
there there's no resting on their laurels there's studios are constantly being pushed to innovate and change the way that they produce to capture your attention in a crowded market and I, I like the way that anthony and i can play the same game yet emerge with two dramatically different experiences it makes me feel like it was a story mode made just for me it and the agency that you have in video games is a big draw, uh, at least for me, as far as a storytelling medium goes. But that's a topic for another day. Though Anthony and I won't be able to get together to retread the exact same story, we'll be able to share our own unique experiences with these things. I guess the same can't be said for for movies. I'll get to wrapping this this thing up here, but before I do, I have... A, a bit of a rhetorical exercise for you. As early as, as 20 years ago, you could rightfully expect a person to be able to keep up with most of the media most of the time. If, of course, they were apt to do such a thing. Today, that would be impossible. Now, I want you to reframe in the context of older media, stories, books, Plays, the theater experience. Would it be reasonable to expect a person to be able to keep up with every book that their library has to offer? Unless you figure uh, yourself to be some kind of Henri Contrarian, uh, I would posit that would be an impossible feat. The loss of a monoculture in other areas of entertainment happened a long time ago or at least I would imagine. Uh, and to follow that thought, it would stand to reason that we were only able to experience this robust shared experience a decade ago or two or three. The only reason was because this particular brand of cave painting is a relatively new one that allows us to express uh, you know, our stories to our fellow, fellow human type people. It's an interesting thing to ponder on uh, because it makes you think what things that have been popular in, in this medium specifically in video games, movies, television shows that have proven to capture a large percentage of our attention were only able to do that because they existed in a very exclusive group of similar things. I'm getting wound up. Overall, I enjoy the choice. I enjoy knowing that I will be able to find an art, something that stimulates my dopamine centers, and knowing that I won't need to settle. I'm happy to share my experience with someone else, someone who may have had their own brand of preferences and kinks, someone who will be delighted to be introduced to my weird, dark corner of the universe. I'm happy that innovation is all but guaranteed in a crowded media landscape, that creators are pushed to try new things, that I am pushed to try new things. Variety is the spice of life, after all. The monoculture may be dying, but perhaps in the vacuum that it leaves, we'll all have an opportunity to plant some different crops, maybe stave off the rot, well, at least for a little while longer. <laughs> See, I told you I'd get back there. 
It's foreshadowing, right? Eat your heart out, Hitchcock. I don't know. Was he brilliant at foreshadowing? Maybe, maybe not. Am I brilliant? Most definitely not. But that is it for our show today. Um, the weekend's coming up. I hope you have a great, great weekend. I hope it was not as terrible as your week was. Or if your week was great, I hope your weekend is greater. And then you stick around on Monday. Anthony will be out with another episode of Monday Madness. So stay tuned for that. Make sure if you are on a platform and you can leave us a review, do it. And I'll tell you why you should do it. You should do it because I've asked you very nicely. And my mother told me when I was little, if you wanted a thing, that's what you do. And then the people will, people will do it for you. Maybe it set an unreasonable expectation. Am I setting too high uh, standards and expectations for you? Dear listeners of culture jacked. I don't think so. I think you can do it. Leave us a review because the more that you interact with this podcast, whether it's on a social media or it's on a streaming platform, the more those algorithms will recognize that they need to distribute this podcast, distribute our message of love. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. My message of love. I don't know why I said my message of love like that. Anyway, leave us a review. It helps with the algorithms. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast where you can. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, if you'd like to talk to us about a thing, if you'd like us to talk about a thing, make sure that you get a hold of us. You can get a hold of us on Twitter, on Facebook, at Culture Jacked. You can also send us an email if you'd like, culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Other than that, have a great weekend. I'll see you later. Goodbye. <laughs> 